millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Hello and welcome to the Squid Rugby World Cup Retrospective Podcast. This week, the podcast that is looking at the second most iconic, second most famous and second greatest fixture between Italy and Russia in the Rugby World Cup of 2011. Um, I am joined by Mr. Will Owen, who is the only other person who could possibly understand that. And he's got a puzzled look on his face as though he does not understand. I don't. Is, have we got an in-joke about the USA being Russia? Um... Did I say Russia? You said Russia. I did not mean that. Um, this is why last week we said you should do the introduction. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start that again. We're going to keep all this rolling. Yeah. It's be fine. It is the second most famous game between Italy and the United States of America in the Rugby World Cup of 2011. So, do you know the other game I am referring to? Is it a volleyball match? No, it is the second most famous game of the Rugby World Cup 2011 oh, between Italy yeah. and I forgot about that detail. They play rugby in the, the rugby USA. Cup, don't they? I've no idea what yeah. you're on about. You got no idea what I'm referring no. to. Okay. What if I said it was not in the Rugby World Cup 2011, but on Rugby World Cup 2011? Oh. Yeah. I know what we're talking about. We're talking about Alberto Scarby. Are we not? We're talking about Alberto Scarby. Wait. So which yes. game we're talking? About? Are we talking about? Are we talking about Italy 27, Russia... Oh, my God. USA 10. <laughs> or are we talking about It's because, it's USA because they had 3. that one game played in Russia. Italy so nil. we just got used to it. Yeah, that's true. Yes, that is, that is the other fixture, which you remember. So, as an introduction, we've mentioned a few times in past episodes that we still play the Rugby World Cup 2011 video yeah. game reasonably often. Yeah. It's all we do. We don't like each other. No, I... I certainly fucking hate you. So. And I, I there was one uh, one sentence you said on one of these podcasts, and I thought for a moment that's the first intelligible thing he said since he was four years old, which was about the moment because up until then I was giving you benefit of the doubt, and about the age of four I went, oh, it's just useless. What's the point in this? Hey, guy? to be fair, when um, I was four, I did invent particle theory, so that's not true. <laughs> That's not true. That's not a fact. That's not. That's not true at all. Who invented particle theory? Right in the uh, Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective cinematic universe, that could be true. We could make this canon. No, 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 no. Okay, the the particle theory was invented by John Dalton uh, back in eighteen o two. Okay, right. Uh, I have checked this. It was not William Owen when he was four years old Damn in nineteen ninety nine. Rumbled me. I wasn't four no, years old in 1999, you fucking four. plum. You were what? <laughs> 2001. Because well, it's 2001, yeah? Yeah. yeah well, I was born in 1997, you idiot. It was even less likely. You were two, you were 199 years late. Look, you're calling me out for being stupid for not inventing particle theory. You think 1997 adds 
1999. No, you I was... idiot, I was... you burk. To be fair, no, you're 199 years off. I'm free. I'm two years off. <laughs> I think one of us is coming out of this better than the other. I'm a liar rather than an idiot, but yeah. The point I was making is that one of the most memorable games on the Rugby World Cup 2011 video game we've ever had, one of the most memorable matches ever, yeah. was between Italy and the USA. Yeah. So I was playing as Italy, you were playing as the USA. Yes. And what happened? I realised earlier I actually got the score wrong. I said that the USA won 3-0. That's not true. Italy won 3-0. However, we went to... It was the first uh, yeah. was it the first time we ever went to extra time. This is in like 2012. It was one of the first times we went to extra time. Yeah. But it was certainly the first time we got to full time at nil-nil. Yeah. Because it was just a completely... Was it a completely boring game or was it like completely end-to-end and no one could finish anything? I can't well, remember. When I asked you, yeah, what happened, it was probably a trick question. But the thing is, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what we happened. Played a lot of games it was a game on a video game we had eight years ago. Yeah. But I do remember the key moment. Yeah, where you spread the ball out wide uh, to. So no, so okay, so we we get to we get to full time yeah. is nil nil, and I think one of us then boots it out and goes, "We're taking extra time." Yeah. You know, and me playing as because a we were one quite team, committed to it being nil nil at this point. <laughs> yeah, we kind of just embraced it. Yeah. And there were a few. We probably turned down shots at goal, and we, you know, whatever. Sure. And we then got through extra time. We got through both halves of extra time without any more points scored. And we got into sudden death, yeah. which is 10 minutes right at the end. And any points wins. And were we not in the you last know, play any points ends the game. as well? We did. We then got through to the last play. And Italy had a scrum on about 35 metres out or something yeah. from the American line. Uh, there was a good carry by Parise. And they get up to about the 22. Italy play about a phase. And then... I chuck it out to the wing where Alberto Scarby is playing out of position on the wing where you brought him off the bench, I believe. And then you just kind of Mm. stepped around somebody and then just for a laugh, you just pressed the drop goal button and held it down and aimed it perfectly between the posts and scored the winning drop goal. Just nailed it from the corner of the pitch, 22 metres out. It was a beautiful moment. Am I right in saying that Alberto Scarby himself is aware of this? So I then interviewed Alberto Scarby last year, yeah, and it was on our own to him and uh, Kieran Crowley at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it turns out Alberto Scarby, good lad, good lad, good, good um, to know. has yeah really hairy legs and kept picking at them for some reason huh. during the the whole time. But yeah, decent guy. Yeah, but we didn't get to that question. I had that. Yeah, the, we were kind of we were doing the interviews. Uh, I suggest we should ask that question. And we then ran out of time because we were trying to squeeze in all the Pro 14 no. clubs. And like, boring. we were going to release time with Benetton, which was boring, I know. And I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. And I then said, like, oh, I began to say it to Scarby as he was walking away as it was finishing. Yeah. And I kind of began to say, like, thanks. Oh, and, but, and then he was just like, I'm not interested, mate. I'm done. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Only in Italian. Yeah, yeah. That's a shame because that's weirdly yeah. one of the things I best remember Alberto Scarby for is that drop goal, yeah. which he didn't actually do. He's a big, solid lad. Yeah. Uh, he was also, that morning, I was put up in the same hotel. as I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast, have I? Right. I'd done an event at the Derby Poetry Festival the night before. Yeah. And so I had to get into the into the hotel where they're putting all the players. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to be there the day beforehand. Uh, I couldn't make it. I got there at like 2, 3 in the morning just because of train times and so right. on and having to get a taxi to, to the hotel and so on. Uh, it was a Vela Morgan hotel where, right. you know, Wales yeah. stay and so on. And I then came down for breakfast, having got in about 3am, and had to get up at about, I think like half five, I think we had to leave at like half six in the morning mm-hmm. uh, to get to the venue. 
And I then head into the breakfast and I then I'm stood behind oh, who was uh, Tommaso Boni in the queue to get into the breakfast thing. I'm then sat at a the table. They then take me over to sit on my own at the, the, this table. And over to my left hand side is Alberto Scarby and Kieran Crowley. And over to my right is, oh no, straight in front of me, the table straight in front of me is Richie Cockrell and Jamie Ritchie. Nice. I then get up to go to the breakfast buffet and straight behind me, st- straight behind me as I'm getting my scrambled eggs is Scott Vardy. <laughs> and trust me, I've never selected my food quicker. Well, I know how this story ends. Sure. Okay. So I, I get through this. I'm also like, I keep glancing over because you're kind of, you're putting all this together. You're like, okay, that's Richard Cockrell. And you kind of, you know, I'm so used to seeing him on TV. You're going like, it's strange to see him up close. Yeah. And fine. you can see Scott Fardy's knees in line with your eyes. <laughs> yes. And you keep kind of glancing over and seeing like, because none of the Welsh teams were there. Because obviously they were, you know, it's in Cardiff. So they were coming from nearby. Yeah. Uh, whereas all, they put up all the Irish, French, Italian, South African teams. Mm-hmm. Not French. Um, Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> Same country. Who cares? But I just kept looking over and be like, that's Ruin Pienaar. That's the real Ruin Pienaar yeah, side over weird, there. Isn't it? Like, and everyone else, I was kind of able to process it like, that's fine. That's Scott Fardy played in the World Cup final. That's Leo Cullen, who's won the Heineken Cup a zillion times. Uh, but Ruin Pienaar just kept going, I can't believe Ruin Pienaar's over there having yeah. toast. Like, Ruin Pienaar's buttering his own toast for his breakfast over there. <laughs> like, what's that all about? It's really strange to think that. Was he good at buttering toast? I think so. I think so. I think I think he waited until the yeah, last minute true. and did it with real yeah. precision. Yeah. Did he steal somebody else's toast that they'd put in the toaster for yeah. him? <laughs> Someone did that. Oh, what what was it? There was something I put toast in the toaster, and I then went away to do whatever, you know, to to get something else. I came back and the toast was gone. So I can only assume it was like Alessandro Zani stole my toast. I'd like to think it was. I'd like to think there's some pesky open side that snuck in and nicked some Yeah, toast. Jamie Ritchie was I, there. I bet that the profile team counted that on Josh van der Fleer's turnover stats. <laughs> legally, legally, Jamie Ritchie got a turnover yeah. for that, for stealing yeah. toast. He really lent himself over the toaster yeah. and pulled the bread out. Yeah, and the toaster got penalised for holding on. Yeah, really good body position yeah. on the toaster. And there's a lot of... Because it's that weird thing. As I say, you only see these players on TV either... You see clips of them in training, but you mostly just see them playing. Yeah. And so there is something weird in going like, oh, that's how... Uh, I was going to say James Ryan. He wasn't there. Who else was there? Who was... I don't know. Who's Patrick? Um, yeah, that's... obviously oh, Patrick wasn't at the breakfast. Ah. Oh. Who was... Jack O'Donoghue. Jack O'Donoghue. Like... He's he proper man spreads, you know. Like when he was sat having his breakfast, legs really wide apart, and that was fun. That was kind of looking at it and going like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I nice. can see that. Nice. Yeah, odd day, odd day. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the Scott Fardy thing. Should we talk about that? Yeah, briefly? so a Christmas miracle, right? So <laughs> yes, yeah. Do you want to do you want to go into that? Or should I start? Well, sure, sure. What did I get you for Christmas? That basically year? for Christmas, you, you you gave me you know something that was very nicely wrapped, and I opened it up, and in there was a Pro 14 bubble hat, and I thought, okay, sure, I, I love the Guinness Pro 14. Me, I'll go around wearing this all the time. And then you told me that that bubble hat, the origin of it was that you didn't buy, it, you didn't spend a penny on me no. last Christmas. But that's not the point because you did something better than spending money. You stole that hat from Scott Michael Fardy. Yep. <laughs> that hat was... Scott Fardy wore it for a bit when he walked into the room. Uh, he then took it off and put it on the sofa. He then... I, you know, he then interviewed blah, 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 blah. He then left and he'd left the hat on the sofa. And I don't know if he came back in to look for it, 
But while he was out the room, I snuck it into my bag and left the room. So you actually have one turnover on the Pro 14's official stats now. I've stolen the ball from Scott Fardy. Yeah, it's, um, there's a ball on the hat to be fair, so that counts. The thing is, this isn't public knowledge until now. Yeah. And now Scott Fardy would know who stole his hat. That's true, because he listens. He does, I'm sure. Or someone will pass it on. You know, someone will pass on that I, I stole the hat from Scott Fardy. That's true. It wasn't a scrum cap. So it's not, you know, it's not the sign point. Yeah. But was he wearing he a scrum cap? Is... No, 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 he was wearing a, he was wearing a, yeah, a little, not a bobble hat, a little beanie. Yeah. Um, that he then took off but during the interview. That's the thing. Was he wearing a scrum cap underneath that? No, no. disappointing, really. Gutting. He's not like Marty Holler. No. So it was imagine him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Marty Holler once putting his scrum cap on back on to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah, can't be proper open side work it. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably got a massive bald spot that's probably what that was all about yeah but right, yeah no, okay. pressure's so, on me to get you a better Christmas present than a stolen hat from <laughs> Scott Fardy you've got to steal from David Pocock next yeah if we were one up each other with Australian yeah. players yeah um, so and I did what, by the way when I stole it it was with the intention of this would make a great Christmas present yeah that yeah was in sure. my head as I did no, 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 like it was sure. like a yeah, I, this I is respect the novelty of that and yeah. you know, I, I'm definitely not currently looking at Drew Mitchell's left sock, which I stole at one point <laughs> in a secret mission. Right. Okay. So the rugby match we're supposed to be talking about this yeah. week is the USA against Italy. Yeah. It was not finished by an Alberto Scarby drop no. goal. He did, in fact, not even play. No. Uh, nor did Scott Fardy. However, the game eventually finished 27 to 10, with Italy being the victors. Yeah, they were all called Victor. Every single it was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. When they all got in and changed the name by deed poll, yeah, like Paddy Power style before the World <laughs> yeah, Cup. Yeah, exactly. It was like it was like it was like a Clive Woodward style moment of motivation. Yeah, of like bullshit management of like we should have named Victor. Now. We will all be the victors. We'll win the World Cup. I tell you what, so far it's working because the winners. But the game. problem is, right? Sergio Parise had to change his name to Champion, didn't he, to be different? He did. What a dick. bloody Parise. So, to look at the teams, we'll start with the American yeah. team, why don't we? Let's. Um, so, Chris Wiles remains the, the key man in the team at fullback with Todd Clever mm-hmm. leading, leading the side at seven. James Patterson has come back in on the left wing and they've yes. made the choice, the executive, by which I mean incorrect decision, to leave Blaine Scully on the bench. Mm. They do change that quite early on. For, for a good However, reason. There's, yeah. So... During the first half, there was a moment I was watching the game and I started to feel this kind of like, like almost rumbling in my tummy, yeah. you know, and I started to wonder what it could possibly be. You know, I spent a lot of time during that half looking at Martin Castro Giovanni, so I wondered if I might be pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that, that often happens. Yeah. But then I realised I just, I really needed the shit. So I paused the game, I went, I did a pretty enormous poo. Right. Like it was a chunky boy. It was like one of those proper satisfying Oh yeah, as it hits the bowl. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Great. Like and it wasn't like painful to shove out. It just kind of came out like hit the ground. Bam! Like it was nice. It was fun. Yeah. It was a good shit to have, and it was quite clean. There was no forcing okay. to follow up out afterwards. It was. It was good. Like, Did it was you flush good it? Shit. I I flushed it, and then to my surprise, it seemed to land. It seemed to travel back in time and land in the midfield <laughs> of the twenty eleven. Jesus USA Christ, team. man. Okay. So, for some reason, the shit I had was playing both 10 and 12. It had broken in half. God, and was they were so USA bad. The, we are, of course, referring to the Senula brothers. Yeah. This is just Roland and Andrew 
playing here. The Shalom Sanula wasn't playing in this World Cup. Shalom was, was the one who was more competent, wasn't he? He was a bit more competent. He yeah. seemed like he actually thought about the game a little bit. He played both in 10 and 9. And yeah. he was okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But compared to his brothers, he must have seemed Roland like Michael Sanula. Jordan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Roland Sanula looked like he's watched a game of rugby before. And Andrew Sanula looked like he yeah. just turned up wanting a scrap with somebody. Or did he? We'll, we'll what come on is to... is Andrew Sanula? Like, the USA has an enormous population. How is Andrew Sanula the best they've got? Yeah, it's... It... Like, and I, I don't mean to be horrible, because they're tier two players, and, you know, they're, they're, there's always sure. a lot of... Like, I got a big energy from the USA team in this game of... In the way tier one players will have stopped dominating whatever division they're playing in, at about the age of 14, 15, because we moved up to play age grade with play, you know, the best players in there. Yeah. And it's only the truly exceptional players. It's the Parises or it's the, yeah. the Shane Williams or the, whoever, the Dan Carters, who do dominate at age group level yeah. when they're playing as the best sure. in their age. That's the thing, like... The USA, you look at this team and all of them are very used to clearly dominating in whatever, yeah, like, Texas sure. division they play and in. that's the thing, like, evidently, you know, with all players in international rugby, there will be players in the world who will say the best player I've ever played with is that player and like yes. there will be those players with the Sunula brothers undoubtedly oh yeah yeah how they're better than Blaine Scully I have no idea yeah and don't get me wrong I want to again address I don't need to say this but I will because it's true these players are all a lot better than I am so I have oh, no right to say yeah. this I completely recognise yeah, yeah, yeah. that and like, there's, just like you know if you tell I... me to go out there and do it I would completely shit the bed I would have no idea what to do I could not play in Sasha Rugby I completely acknowledge that but it's it, cynically it's my job on this podcast to talk about what's good in the Rugby World Cup 2011 and on the flip side what is bad about the Rugby World Cup 2011 and one thing that's yeah. not don't that's not given me a particularly good impression I've not seen every game yeah. he's ever played but the Sanula brothers have not given me a very good impression but this is the thing about the Sanula brothers right I don't mean to just fixate on the one big negative but Andrew in particular I think Roland yeah. is as you say he looks a bit more like he knows what rugby is yeah Andrew Sanula, you can see, I can believe that he, because he's a big lad and he could, in theory, he could spin past the ball. Sure. Not with much accuracy, but he could. Yeah. I could understand if they gave him a couple of caps, they gave him three or four caps, and then went, okay, he isn't up to it. Sure. Right? He has 39 caps. That's a lot of And caps. you know what the worst bit is? What? I had no idea of this until today. Mm-hmm. Wasp signed him. What? He he had a st- he got a contract with Wasps out of this, right? Wasps after signed the World him Cup. after this World Cup in 2013. He signed for Wasps alongside Billy Armuhelu, who was you know good solid yeah, winger, had a good player. World Cup for Tonga. Uh, Die Young was in charge and signed them both. His comment was unfortunately been hit by a few early season injuries to our backline, so having Andrew and William come in this week has been good timing. They're both experienced international players and provided with vital depth in the midfield and wider. I'm going to ask you to take a punt at how Andrews and Euler's career with Wasps went. Played two, one, none. Oh, you're not a million miles away. He played one game off the bench and never played again. Right, okay. And don't get me wrong, like, I always love to see these players prove me wrong. And I've, oh, yeah, I've yeah. definitely thought, I can remember watching Jeff Hassler's first game for Canada and thinking, like, this guy's okay, but, like, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I just don't think he... I remember playing against yeah. Russia in that first game and thinking, like, this guy's okay, but I, I think he's got a lot of work to do. And then, obviously, hmm. he came and played for the Ospreys and became, like, a fan favourite. 
and is a phenomenal player and has been ever since. You know, I love for these players to prove me wrong. And I'm sure Andrew Sanul has had a great, you know, a great career outside of what I've seen of him. Yeah. But, yeah. And, hey, he's, he's one game for Wasps, apparently. I've managed to find a match report very quickly. Right. He threw a miss pass to Josh Barrett. Josh Bassett, sorry, okay. who went on to score. He went on to step past Topsy Ojo and score. Okay. So, you know... Solid, good fair enough. Him. Yeah, and yeah you, don't like, you don't like to target the negative, but at the same yeah. time... He was in this game. Yeah. Um, should we continue on the teams before I move on to the Sure, Italy. But, um, mm. You know, it's back to their first 15 after they sort of coasted past Russia with their second team. Luciano Aquara comes back in at 10 for Burkino. Mm. And oh, 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 no, just mentioning Ricardo Burkino. Yeah. Someone DM... I don't really check my DMs on Instagram very often. Yeah. And every I check them like once every now and again and I never reply to them. But the one I happened to check like this this period of three months mm-hmm. was someone replying saying they like the podcast. I forget the guy's name, I'm sorry, I could check Amazing. this and I should have replied. Thank you for I apologize that. for hearing it here. Yeah. And he wanted to point out that Bocchino in Italian is a slang term for a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's brilliant. Fair play. So I apologize. I'll find that guy's name before the end of the podcast. Yeah, please do. But yeah, thank you thank very you much for, for writing that. in. That's great. <laughs> That's really good to know. Ricardo Blowjob. Fair play. <laughs> good old Richard Blowjob. Yeah. But yeah, no, Italy Ricky very blows. Much back to their um, start, main like starting team. They've yeah. got Parise and Bergamasca remain in the back row, but Alessandro Zani comes back in. And Fabio Semenzato comes back in mm. at nine to box kick the leather off the ball. There is a drinking game to be done with Miles Harrison, who I think is fantastic in this game. You know, yeah. really good commentary, and I hold oh, he yeah, is he's the a great best commentator. He's brilliant. Rugby com, you know, he's, he's my favorite, other than Andrew Carter. This game felt like a proper occasion Sorry, watching it back because yeah. it had Harrison and Barnes commentating on it. Because and Miles Harrison treats every game like it's important. Like yeah. he treats all of the tier two nations like they're the All Blacks, and yeah. I love that. And he does. And he clearly knows them. Leinster. He learns them. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Like he, people, I think unjustifiably give Stuart Barnes a lot of crap. Um, yeah, I think obviously there's those comments about firing all analysts. Yeah, which yeah. I don't agree with, uh, and I don't agree with everything he says. But I no. do think he's a good commentator and he's very observant. Yeah. And Absolutely. people say he's like, negative, but you have to be sometimes. Yeah, and I, I kind of like in this game that he gives the USA shit. You know, yeah, for sometimes sure. You see in tier two in commentary on tier two nations. They're a bit patronising, and yeah, he isn't sure. at all. He's a bit like, actually, this thing about the USA isn't good enough. Yeah. And they're playing well, but they need to shore this up, or they need to work sure, on that. For sure, And he, he doesn't sugarcoat it at all, and I like that. I like that he doesn't patronise yeah. anyone. But, yeah, so my drinking game is how many times when Semenzato does anything does Miles Harrison mention Alessandro Troncon? Because <laughs> <laughs> he constantly says, they finally found a replacement for Alessandro Troncon. They finally found a new Troncon. Semenzato is good, but that's a bit strong. When actually, Semenzato is more like the new Joe Nolomu, if you watch the way that he has no idea that he isn't massive, <laughs> and twice just tries to bounce people. Yeah, yeah. There's that one in particular where there's a mall and he runs to the blind side, tries to barrel over like Nguenya or somebody. Yeah. He's, like, Nguenya's a I think massive Patterson. lad. Right, Patterson. Oh, okay, that's fair enough then. And then holds the ball up for Castro, who tries to drive over. And he's yeah. sadly held up. Yes. But, and then like two minutes later, just the exact same thing off the back of a scrum again. Yeah. Uh, so that's a good segue, that moment there. Yeah. Um, because I want to, I was going to say to flip um, the 
the, the running order, flip the way we do things, sure. and begin with Dick of the Day. Christ, okay. Except we're not beginning, we're 25 minutes in. Yeah. But I want to I wanna talk about Dick of the Day, because I think this is the most Dick of the Day game of the tournament. Okay. In each of the other games, there's a lot of them where I've struggled to come up with a contender for Dick of the Day. Mm-hmm. In this game, I have ten contenders. Ten! Ten. I have like three. I have ten. And I want to... I feel like I wouldn't be able to talk about the game fully unless I led on mentioning these are my contenders for Dick of the Day. Because okay. otherwise it's taking up my entire talk of the entire match. Right. Man the match we can get on to later. That's fine. We yeah, can yeah, that. sure. But I almost want to trail on that as... You've mentioned one there. You've mentioned you know one what? very strong contender for Dick what of the Day. What we do is, you name all your contenders, then at the end you tell me who's won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we'll work through all of them as we go. Okay. I mean, the game begins with Andrew Sanula putting in a pretty Dick of the Day <laughs> moment. Uh, I don't, did you notice this? Is this when he tries that switch? And he and just, just drops, drops the ball, the in, front ball in front of nobody, yeah. yeah. Uh, in the first, like, 20 seconds of the yeah. game. Which was like, a, oh, I've got my dick of the day sorted already. And yeah. then it just continued to shift and I continued to add new contenders in constantly. It was very, very exciting. Not long after, Chris Wiles does a... There's a fantastic moment with Chris Wiles. Do you know the one I'm referring to? Is it... He drops a high ball and then... No, he so he takes a high ball. Right. He looks up and he sees Mirko Bergamasco in front of him uh, with someone else. I think there's one of the forwards on the wing as well. Mm-hmm. And he begins to do that kind of fancy like step one way, step the other way, step the third way. And he would have beaten Bergamasco, but instead he steps back into Bergamasco. But before he takes contact, he just drops the ball. <laughs> yeah, I do so, remember this, yeah. Yeah, it was a very, very bad, very embarrassing moment. He then looks very embarrassed and throws the ball away yeah. to the crowd. It's like, you're the one we trust, Chris. <laughs> you're supposed to be our star player. Yeah. You're a one, you know, and Stuart Barnes says about that point, he's made more mistakes in this first half than he did for Saracens all last season. Christ. We'll, we'll we'll work through some of my dick of the days yeah. as we go. Okay, okay. I mean, so we'll break it up. Okay, so yeah. we've got... We've had two. Very we've had two early, early contenders. Yeah, very early on, three minutes into the game. Italy play with a bit of width and then mm. hit back into the middle. And Quinton Heldenhayes tips the ball on, playing off 10, to Sergio Parise, who strolls over for a try. Again, loving the fact that he scored the first try of the game. Just yes. this lovely theatrical dive under the posts. And yet, at that point, you start to feel like, oh, Italy might just run away with this, to be honest. Mm. Uh, because they look a class above in that first three minutes. Yeah. Just like, we have possession in your half, so we'll score. And it looked as simple as that. It's amazing how, A, how effective, and B, how talked up what is now a really simple tip-on pass that happens on right? every single carry yeah. was. You know? And the people went, oh, what a beautiful little ball. What a subtle little bit of skill from yeah. Golden Hayes. And don't get me wrong, it is a good bit of skill, but everybody can do it now. Yeah, exactly. It happens on virtually every carry. Yeah. Or if it doesn't happen on every carry, it's because it's, the option is there. And that's the thing, Whereas, because of tries like this, that's now the default, a way of breaking yeah, a defense. Exactly. Because that would happen regularly, and you could split open the tier two defense very simply by sure. having the man you'd think is going to clear out. No, he's running through the middle of you, and he's scoring under to posts. Yeah, uh, Sergio Parise would say himself, he's from Yorkshire now. <laughs> Champion Parise, that is. I hope, Mads. It's me, Champion Parise. So, Parise scores, grand, all, all good, all is uh, very, very well. And then it kind of levels out a bit. Then that yeah. kind of... As you said, that Italian dominance doesn't really happen. Yeah. 
So there's a couple of the USA start to have a bit a couple of moments. So there's one when yeah. Nguyenia starts popping up first and second receiver and sniffing for gaps, and Italy do defend him very well. I think they did their research on Nguyenia, even though he was quite quiet throughout the World Cup, and sort of mm-hmm. knew that if there was a game that he's going to shine in, it's going to be this one. Yeah. And Nguyenia a few times got sniffs of space, but they dealt with him very well. Uh, there's one point. And I imagine this guy's one of your dicks of the day based on earlier discourse. But Roland Sanula sees massive overlap outside him. He just kicks the ball out on the full. Yeah. Um, I should maybe... I have the Sanula as a joint dick of the day. So really okay. there's 11 contenders. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, because you didn't have enough. Yes. And then there's this... Uh, Italy have this opportunity to sort of put the sword to the USA a little bit more. Mm. And Luke McLean stabs through this really nice rubber kick. And Tommaso Benvenuti has to juggle it over the corner flag and ends up dropping it. It's one of those, when you see it live, you think, how has he messed that up? Yeah. And then when you see the slow motion replay, you go, actually, fair play had a lot to do there. Because the ball is, the ball has bounced over the plane of touch. And so, yeah, Benvenuti has to bat it back into himself, back past the touch, the corner flag. Yeah. And then try and regather it and ground it in one motion. And he can't. He it can't looks manage like it. he's trying to perfectly recreate the one he scored against Russia, where he grounded yeah. himself with that grubber kick. It looks like he's trying to perfectly replicate that, and the ball just isn't letting him. So no, it, it is quite unfortunate. But on the other hand, like you do look at it and think, like, oh, like if you had like Adam Ashley Cooper or something like that, they'd have finished that, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, and Benvenuti's a young lad at this point, so absolutely, yeah. But he did have that kind of brimming confidence through him. Sure. It's yeah. almost the best period of his career when he was really overconfident playing yeah. 13 for club and wing for country and constantly just pissing about like this. Yeah. I did write down Ben Benvenuti. You're terrible. There's Thank you. Then a point where Parise does like two or three bad passes in a row. Yeah. Which is really weird to think. There's one where Nick Johnson, who's playing number eight for the USA, just totally fluffs a five meter scrum and gets stripped, which is like the number one rule of playing number eight is just don't get stripped on your own try line. And then Parisa does this reverse Yeah. Does this um reverse pass, which goes fine. And then just does a couple of really bad passes. Like there's one that goes into touch, and then another yeah. one which basically sends Semenzato down Todd Clever's channel, which isn't what Semenzato was asking for. No, and well, he probably like, was, actually. He was like, I've got yeah, that. I could bounce the biggest energy. player. I could do yeah. that. But then the USA turned the ball over and managed to get a penalty. No, hold on. Big, dick, into big dick Energy is their alternate fly half because he's Big Dick. Nice. Because he's, he's nice. Okay. Um, um, go on. Yeah, so they managed to get Richard. the... Uh, they managed to get a line out in the Italian half and Sanula I mean the thing is it doesn't look like they have a set play called I think their no, set play is just hands yeah. and he just uh, Roland Sanula rightly sees the level of competence of his brother who's next to him and just misses him and just passes it to Paul Emmerich you know what it's like? you know be a pro mode on yeah. Rugby Challenge when there's a button to call the ball to yourself. Yes. And providing you're within 30 metres of someone, they will throw a miss pass to you no matter what Paul Emmerich did that a lot. Paul Emmerich does that. He presses the circle button and they automatically throw a miss pass to him. Yeah. And, and he's not in um, space or anything. Really. No. He's not in space. He's not running a really good line. He has to change once he's caught the ball. And he just powers through both Italian centres and well, just knocks them both to the floor. This is a classic example of one of my favourite things to call in a rugby match. Yeah. One of the most 
worrying two words to hear in any defence. Mm-hmm. One thing that no defence coach ever wants to hear said, and yet I would quite like to say a lot, yeah. these two words are your, your man. man. Yeah, your man. Three Italian defenders go, your man, for whatever your man is in Italian. Yeah. Your, your mano. Um, sorry, to Italy. Yeah. Um, and and Paul Emmerich they... barrel through them. Yeah, like all of them are kind of half-hearted. They're like, I'll assist on the tackle. I'll yeah. help drag him down if you do most of the work. Sure. And he just goes, no, I'm not having that. And charges right through. Yeah. And then he manages to draw in the fullback McLean and pass the ball out the back of his hand to Chris Wiles, who scores. It's lovely, isn't it? It's like, really nice. You, the, the pass is so unnecessary is nice. too, and I love it. But the fact, well, because he has it tucked under one arm. And yeah. so it looks like he's going himself. Then he just kind of flicks it back out out the back yeah. to Wiles and support who dives over. Yeah, it's really it was a oh I made a noise. Moment. Nice, yeah, yeah. I vaguely remember that try as well, and just I I didn't mm. remember quite how strong Emmerich's carry was, and like the yeah. fact that obviously looking at it now, you'd never set up a move where that's sort of the way the play is designed with the normal back line, just getting your outside centre to just carry the ball in without running any particular line. You know, it's not particularly late he receives the ball, he just powers through them. Mm. And again, like, it's weird to see that because that wouldn't happen these days, but it's testament to how powerful Emmerich was. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's really well taken, and it levels the scores right up. Mm-hmm. And I think partly in the way the USA are playing, partly in the way Harrison and Barnes and so on are commentating, but it feels like quite a level game. Yeah, it and does. And it feels like the USA are approaching this as not even we're going to cause an upset with the underdogs and we're going to come away and nick this. Yeah. There isn't that kind of energy. It's a, no, this is a level match against our equals. Yeah, for sure. And it, you're right. There is um, a sense of belief to the USA team after that try. Mm. And Italy have a sense of, right, we've got to, you know, sort ourselves out here. Yeah. In order to qualify, uh, Italy needed a they needed to win both this game and the game against Ireland, the following match, and mm-hmm. they needed a bonus point in one of those two games in order to get out of the group. Right. Yeah. So they kind of knew this was it. They kind of knew they needed the bonus point here because just beating Italy, you know, they would have taken a 6-3 win over Ireland. Whereas yeah. this game, they needed a bonus point, so they were really going for it. And they kick a penalty shortly after the... Yeah. Wiles try, but from there on out, yeah. once they get seven free up, and even though the US equalized the ten all, they start going for the corner and they just start going, No, actually we've had twenty minutes gone. Yeah. We need to we need to go for that bonus point. For sure, for sure. And USA the USA then have this sort of party wrecker uh, attitude about them, which, you know, they're pulling off very well. There's my mm. favourite point in this in the first half is there's Mike McDonald has this point where he's tackled and he gets up and just says, No, not having this and he makes a break off it and he barrels off like two or three men and powers on for about 20 yards and then the next time he gets the ball is on the end of an overlap where Z and Gwenya tried to run around somebody and gave it to him and he ends up mm. flicking the ball one-handed behind his back back into yes. the field of play uh, and it's just talk about big dick energy Mike McDonald Absolutely. certainly had that big Mac energy yeah so Mike McDonald interesting game because he is fantastic in the loose but yeah. at scrum time at scrum time absolutely destroyed and it is comprehensive on the USA's own ball Italy is shoving them off it and winning penalties yeah all the time every, well every scrum except one which is on the USA's own line where yeah. they really go all in and they manage to hold it I think like every other scrum Italy are winning clear penalties and winning 10-15 metres yeah 
and it, it starts off as I mean, firstly, straight after that McDonald's flick pass, there's a point where Quinton Geldenhays gets away with a very deliberate knock on. Um, yes, where yeah. he bats it away from, and Gwenny runs this lovely line, and and Geldenhays bats it really far away, and just I mean, totally really, gets away with it. George Clancy was good at giving a uh, missing deliberate knock ons in games when Gwenny was playing. Oh Christ, yeah, thanks to 20, 10, 11. Yeah. yeah, but from that point, that Italy get a scrum, and then they have yeah. a few. They have a few drives and eventually they just decide to kick the points when yeah. USA start infringing. But they kind of realise that, oh wait, we could really target this. And they really yeah. make the most of that as time goes on. Yeah, because Castro is completely on he's, him. He's, um, every, he's insane. He's the official man of the match. And it's he's It's hard to really argue with good. him already, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, he's carrying hard and as we say, he almost scores the try. But he, I mean, he does score a try later on. But yeah. he is dominant at every single scrum. Sure. And it's one of those things you can't quite overset. I know I'm just saying the same word over and over again, but he absolutely smashes it. And I forgot how much I missed him. Yeah. And how much I missed having, you know, a bit like I'm so glad Argentina's scrum is now fantastic again. Yeah. And they're now dominating teams again. For sure. Because I, and I miss Italy doing that. I really wish Italy had a fantastic pack again. Yeah. It'd be really good to see if they just had something they could fall back yeah. on and they could just go. Because I think both the props at the minute are very good. And I rate them both very highly. When um, Lavotti's on the field, young. he's okay. God, dude. Forget, forget Lavotti. No, yeah. the, the two of them are starting in the, this autumn and yeah. the Six Nations. Lavotti is just very, very stupid. <laughs> yes. um, he's, he's, just, he's just like him and Ollie Cracknell need to have a stupid off to see who is the stupidest player in the Pro 14. Yeah. Uh, especially the, the stupidest man involved in the Pro 14 is me for stealing Scott Hardy's hat. That's but true. Otherwise. So yeah, there's... You feel a bit for McDonald. Mind you, if... If Andre Lavotti was there and he tried to steal Scott Hardy's hat and then got away with it, he would have turned around and punched him anyway. Yeah, he would have looked at him and just laughed as yeah. he did it. However, we mentioned the scrum. Yeah. I want to throw up one of my next Dick of the Day com- nominations. Go on. So, did you listen to Todd Clever's interview after the game? No, I didn't. No. So, Todd Clever was asked, basically, you were absolutely destroyed in the scrum, weren't you? Uh, it must have been tough to play with those of the conditions, Right. This was his response. Yikes! Yep. I mean, the the listeners at home couldn't see the face you pulled, but it was quite the expression. Yikes! Yep. No, Todd. I mean, all love and respect to you, but that's just not true, pal. <laughs> Your guys got dominated by Castro and. Perugini, like, and it wasn't even a case of like the Wales Island game the other week. Everyone laid in on Reese Carey, and I think there was legitimate calls like Paul James and particularly brought some up. And I had a few like where I looked at them like I just don't get that as a call. Yeah, where you go, okay, maybe there is a refereeing decision to be made. There's absolutely no way no, there's a refereeing is. call on yeah. the way Parisa is driving him backwards. Or no, sorry, Castro Giovanni is driving him backwards for yeah. 10, 15 metres on every single scrum. You can't you can't call that as being, we're doing well at the scrum. Bear in mind, in the first half, there's a point where George Clancy, the referee, calls over Todd Clever and tells him, like, oh, you guys are pre-engaging. Mm. Just have a word with him. And then Todd Clever just goes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. Mm. He doesn't question it then. And then at the end, he's like, "Nah, the, the public we eyes are on me. Those guys are it's fine." It's proper, like it's gaslighting, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A bit. It's just outright gaslighting that nice. actually the scrum was great from us. Yeah. Never mind the fact that it was. We were. We basically our pack was on roller skates. 
You yeah, know, it was horrendous. And this leads to we'll talk. We'll skip ahead while we're here. There's a point mm. where Italy are about ten yards out from the USA try line, and they have about nine hundred scrums where they're winning penalties yeah. off all of them. And eventually, Louis Stanfield. I don't know why Louis Stanfield, rather than one of the props, gets simbined for um, infringing. I assume he was offside or broke he, off. Yeah, early or something. Or he, yeah, he must have dived in the side or something. Yeah, but they give away a thousand scrum penalties. And they only just get a yellow card at the end. And as soon as the as soon as Stanford goes off, Clancy then says to Todd Clever, like, be careful because I'll probably end up giving another one the way you're going. Luckily, Mike Petrie saves them at the next scrum. Yeah. And dives on the ball and clears it himself and whatever. So they're the USA pack have a lot to thank him for at that point. But it says a lot that I mean, I'm surprised that they only had one yellow card. Yeah. Um do you wanna know how many penalties the USA gave away? Go on. Take a punt. Take a punt. 15. 21. Wow. That's bad. 21 penalties. That's so bad. And you'd imagine most of them are scrum time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And they won a couple themselves as well, which is Hmm. baffling. But yeah. Wow. Um, Go on. Okay. Italy won 16 out of their 16 scrums. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The USA won one out of their three. Wow. Wow. Okay. No, sorry, sorry, no, three out. Never mind. Yeah, but anyway, it was comprehend. Italy won. Com- yeah, um, I misread all of that stat, but never mind. Um, it was comprehensive. The scrum was completely sure. comprehensive. And I know we're yeah. going in circles here, but it was a major part of the game. It's kind of what decided it for Italy for sure, very for much. Sure. There was another moment in the second half, just yeah. to pick up on, because you sort of alluded to it. Another Dick of the Day contender, Sergio Parise. Mm-hmm. Italy looked like they're about to drive over the line from about 10, 15 metres out. Uh, because of that dominant, they they get to about five meters out, and then Parise just kicks the ball out of the scrum, and one of the USA players, I missed who it was, I think it's one of the flanks, might have been Lavalla, then hacks the ball into touch, and then Parise tries to call the line out to himself at the front, and it gets nicked. Right, and so he blows the same try twice. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's fair enough. I mean, and by Parise by yeah, a scale, I think that's uh, quite a fluff up before we carry on i'd like to just finish off the first half by yes. talking about uh luciano Walquera's try where yes okay yeah go on so the thing is right there's bits of this try that i understand mm-hmm. not necessarily by 2011 but i guess that's kind of what this is the fact that italy play with width and that evidently stretches the usa defense quite a lot sure like within multiple phases they're playing quite wide and therefore the USA having to work quite hard to fold around the corner. Then mm-hmm. Oquera has a couple of runners come off him and he just kind of slides through this hole unnoticed really and dives over. Well, yeah, it's part of my my theory on Luciano Oquera, which I don't think I've mentioned on this podcast. No. But you know well. Yeah. Is that Luciano Oquera is the greatest rugby player of all time. Just he deliberately would only show his true powers in passing. He yeah. would keep it all hidden under the bonnet. It's like in a martial arts movie when there's an old man who shows off that they can do all of this ninjutsu perfectly, but they never use it. You know, yeah. they never use it because they never need to. They're, they're, they're past it. I think Luciano Okay was like that because every now and again he would have a moment or sometimes a full game where he was unbelievable and unplayable. Yeah. He would have games where he would put in a perfect, like, no perfect fly half performance where he would be scoring wonderful individual tries 
And then the following week, he would be useless. Yeah. He would he would be like putting in a proper son Eula of a fly half performance. And yeah, you couldn't quite put your finger on it. You never knew what you were going to get with Zion yeah, Okara. I have no idea if he's a good player or not, really. Nope. I guess he, yeah, he was all right. I don't really know. But, but I guess he took know, this try well. Blowjob, man. Yeah. yeah. Ricky Blowjob, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess he took this trial. No, no, well, takes, but, yeah. yeah, but I didn't see it coming. I didn't yeah. spot the gap until he'd already dived through. But, right, here's the thing of uh, Dick of the Day contenders. Do you know why he snuck through that gap? Go on. Did you see who was attempting to tackle him? No. Because no one was attempting to tackle him. Because Andrew Sanula was stood in front of him, and he just falls oh. over. Literally. And Stuart Barnes picks up in the commentary like, and asks, like, what the hell is Sanula trying to do there? Because, yeah. like, he just stands there and he doesn't attempt to wrap his arms around him. He doesn't attempt to, like, put his shoulder on him. None of it. He just falls over, straight up. Can you imagine Die Young seeing him do that? Like, imagine, like, if Sean Edwards saw one of his players do that. Yeah. Right? If, you know, you've got Arthur Vincent playing in the French midfield and he did that, he would be dead by full time. Yep. It was, it's really horrendous. Did he... Does he trip himself over or something? No, he's just he falls trying over. to make he just, a tackle. He's he's not, just... No, no, no. He's not. He's just not playing 100. percent He probably is because he's playing for his country. Is that it's unfair for me to say that, but yeah. it just doesn't look like a real tackle attempt. But no, is it like that? He's jogging across and he loses his footing or something? Is he's, it a... he's not even jogging. He's he's still. He's just stood still. He yeah, just stood static, and he kind of looks up, goes, "Shit, I need to do something." And, and it's not a your man thing. It's Luciano Aguero. It's the smallest man on the pitch. <laughs> See, I thought it was just... Maybe it's O'Kara using his magical powers and just bowling him over with a force. If Sanula put his shoulder on, he would have battered him. Yeah. Because he was a big lad. He was a big lad. Big, useful lad. Yeah. But without the uses. Yeah. So, okay. that's O'Kara's try. And I yeah. was quite fuming watching about that Sanula thing. It's, it's funny because I haven't actually picked my dick of the day yet. So talking about <laughs> this is really quite informative for me. Yeah. But then the last first half try was scored by Castro on half time. Yes. So it comes from a moment where Parise in a moment of fiddle goes down the blind side and then realises nothing's on so passes to Semenzato thinking go on lad you get smashed instead of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what our forwards are there for yeah. to make sure the backs the scrum half gets battered. Uh, Semenzato then does this kick and you, the whole time it's in the air you think he's kicked that dead. Yeah. And then it bounces perfectly out just before yeah. the corner flag. Like, it's it was really the best kick he possibly could have made. Yeah. No, it was a really lovely kick by Semenzato to set up the position. And then mm. Italy kind of keeps swinging from side to side. Benvenuti feels it back inside to McLean at one point when it looks like he could have finished it himself. Yeah. And then Castro oh, but that's just a, sort that's of That's one of the weird moments, though, where it feels initially you think Italy have done really badly. They've blown that. Yeah. And then actually just the sheer work rate of the USA players. For sure. Across, oh, no doubt. And yeah. it's... It's down to them. It's down to yeah. this USA team is working incredibly hard. Yeah, no doubt. And there's I think a lot it's of points in which, across. Yeah. yeah, in which just running your socks off can't stop a man on the gain line, but it for can sure. stop chances like that. You know, yeah. and that's what the USA had going for them was a sheer work rate. Of course, the original break was made by a, a really obvious piece of obstruction by George Clancy, which I assume was Dick of the Day nomination worthy. No, he no, gets George Clancy in... is normally just not about the Dick of the Day nomination for being him. But... Fair enough. But he just gets in the way of Salvatore Perugini, who just waltzes straight through the USA defence. and just like, Gerardini, isn't it? Gerardini, sorry, yeah, Gerardini. Yeah. And he just waltzes through, and Clancy just kind of 
forgets about it. She's like, oh, don't worry about it, sort of thing. Stuart Barnes was fuming about it was, that. wasn't Like, he? five minutes later, he's bringing like, it back up and saying, yeah. look at this clip. This is outrageous referee. I can't yeah. believe it. Yeah, he was bringing it up in the second half as well, just saying, like, oh, now we get something right. But, yeah. Mm. Anyway, Castro barrels over, and Stuart Barnes refers to Castro as an... He looked like an overweight vulture going over the trial line there. That isn't the maddest thing Stuart Barnes says about Castro in this game, though. What is? When he's given man of the match... Stuart Barnes goes on about a 40-second tangent about how... He goes on a 40-second tangent about opera. And the whole... Every every so often, he remembers he's talking about rugby and ties it back to Castro Giovanni. So he starts talking about opera, and he starts saying, like, oh, well, in this classic opera... Um, and he's like, Castro is a hairier version of this character in the opera. Uh, and then he'll belt out and sing in this key, and he'll say, and this is much like this bit in the opera. And then he finishes and says, yeah, Castro has a really good game. That's bizarre. I didn't hear that. Yeah, but fair enough. Good on you, Stuba. But yeah, Italy going at half-time, 20 points to 10 up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You've skipped over a lot. Have I? Yeah. You, so... Okay, so, right before... Before any of this happens, as I say, all those phases and blah, 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 the Gerardini break... Semenzato makes a bust down the wing. Yeah. Offloads, holds the ball up. Castro looks like he's barreled over. Yes. Castro does not score. No. And he does not score because of, I think, maybe my actual dick of the day. I think the winner of dick of the day at the minute. But I'm not saying for certain because there's other contenders to come. Leonardo Gherardini. Okay. Did you see this? Does he hold up Castro? Leonardo Gherardini gets his hand under the ball. He goes in to try and support. And if he, I, didn't, I don't know if he does otherwise, but he puts his hand under the ball. And otherwise Castro would have scored because he's barreled over the USA player trying to hold him over and got the ball out of the way. And instead, Gherardini puts his hand under it and prevents the try for his front row colleague. What a cock block. Yep. Jesus, I did not notice that at all. I didn't first why? time. Why? I, kind of, I don't know. I don't know. But I kind of then, when it was given as inconclusive, went, wait a second, why? Because there was no USA player nearby. So I reround the film, like the Manic Street Preachers, and went back and looked <laughs> at it again. And just went, hold on, that's Giardini. That's Leonardo Giardini. He's hold oh. up. Huh. Castro does then, on the other side of the pitch, when they work it over, finish it himself and score. Yeah. Moments later. Wow, I did not notice that. Mm-hmm. I'm speechless, genuinely speechless. Yeah. Is there anything more you wanted to add before we hit half time? Well, just Castro scores himself then, doesn't no, he? No, yeah. Well, yeah. there's there's a thing that I remember which we still sometimes reference from this game, but the mm. uh, as, as the second half starts, the scoreboard reads ten twenty to. Um, it, <laughs> yes. you've, got a, you've got a big smirk on your face because you've just remembered what this was when we were watching this game live in 2011 what you I was 14 you were 16 and this was again this must have been a very early morning kickoff and for whatever reason you just then say hey the score's the year and then you say backwards because it was 1020 not 2010 but the year was 2011 so you say last year <laughs> the score's last year backwards yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. thought I saw that scoreline and thought, oh yeah, that was when this happened. So I forgot that completely. Yeah, yeah, that was this. Game. I forgot that moment. I forgot that was this game. Okay, yeah. but I still quite regularly <laughs> reference that. I think. Yeah, whenever the score is the year, I or the score that. is ten twenty. Oh, now, yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, there's there's a novelty moment of uh, our experience watching this game. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So the second half kicks off is 10-20. The, f- the first notable thing, I think, is that Mike Petrie does this really lovely chip for um, Paul Emmerich chases it in the end. And Stuart Barnes makes the point in commentary that if... It was Nguyenia chasing that. He would have scored. Yes. Emmerich ends up catching it, just brushes the touchline and has to flick it behind his back. Sadly, the touch judge's flag's gone up. up so, yeah. you know, no attacking opportunity in the end. But again, like, it was the last sort of great moment of Petri shining in this World Cup because he had such a good tournament. And you alluded to this before talking about yeah. this with Blaine Scully. Uh, remember that time we had Blaine Scully on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of having Blaine Scully on... The right. USA get four minutes into the half and go, they go good, won't it? And yeah. they bring off Andrew Sonula. Yep. And because he's they shit. stick on, yes, Blaine Maximus Scully. Because he's amazing and handsome. Yeah, his middle name is not Maximus, but it might as well be because we are all entertained when we see it. Yeah. That was an accidental. I just, I don't know why I said his middle name was Maximus. <laughs> and they then linked it back to Gladiator in a desperate attempt to make it relevant. Sure. I just added that in. Yeah, sure. His middle name is Hansen. Yes, I've of just course. seen. And at the time, he had the umbop haircut as well. And I said Hanson, not handsome. But I, I personally <laughs> call well him Blaine Hanson Scully. So, and because he's a rugby world cup winner at heart, like Steve Hanson. Yes, he's better than Steve Hanson. Yeah, so, so he had the umbop haircut, all of it. He's perfect. Yep. So Blaine Hanson Scully. I actually have him written down here as Hanson Scully uh, when he comes <laughs> onto the pitch, and then Italy end up having. A bit of an attack. This isn't related mm. to Blaine Scully, but uh, Italy have an attack. Gonzalo Garcia, of all people, makes this really nice break where he offloads yep. Semenzato. Castro and Parise show these lovely hands to get it down the line. And Quinton Gelden Hayes has a two-on-one. He just has to fix his man and pass the ball. And then it's an easy try. And he just doesn't pass because he's a moron. <laughs> yeah. I like Gelden Hayes, but why did he not pass that ball? <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. And then, right, to make it worse, uh, Todd Clever gets the ball out wide and boots yeah. the ball downfield. And yeah. straight from the counter-attack, Benvenuti gets this 
this great run doing streaks down the wing and he has a man outside all he has to do is fix the man and pass it and they score the bonus point try and Paul Emmerich clatters him because he doesn't pass the ball like why Ben Venuti was a dick of the day contender for me there because at least Golden Hayes is a kind of you know he's a second row he's sure. come through from playing like maybe doesn't trust himself to pass yeah yeah and I think he because it's quite quick between him receiving the ball and kind of having to time it and so on and I kind of I have some sympathy for that sure you know it's not it's not great. He should have given the pass. He should sure. have been able to give the pass. But it's not a dick of the day contention moment. Sure. Whereas Ben Venuti begins to, and I think he tries to throw the dummy because he's kind of shaping to pass and he changes his mind and brings the ball back yeah. in as normal. And yeah, Paul Emmerich rightly clatters him. Yeah. And and it's McLean outside him as well. Like McLean is waltzing that in. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's one of those things that like, <sighs> Ben Venuti, that's his bread and butter. Like he does that in training yeah. every day, you know, fixing those opportunities and making sure yeah. that pass is released and he just doesn't yeah it's infuriating but yeah, yeah absolutely but that was that that's another dick of the day to take off right now <laughs> working through that list then there's a point where luciano roquera makes a break and does this really mm-hmm. nice floated pass out to mirko bergamasco mate mate yeah just best player of all time yeah he's good isn't he and you're thinking, this is him. This is Luciano Kera. This is where he's proving that he is the, the, the Kung Fu Ninjutsu master that we all knew he was. And yeah. this beautiful floater ball goes out to Bergamasco, who charges in, can't make it to line, takes contact, and Italy go to recycle the ball. And they throw it straight away kind of to Luciano Kera, who in that kind of very Richie Moanga style loves touches and wants to get the ball in his hands all the time. So it can be magic. You know, it's like the Mark Kelly thing he used to say that if sure. I touch the ball three times in the movement, I'm going to score. If I touch it twice, we'll score. If I touch it once, who knows? Uh, I've read that backwards. However, you're thinking, <laughs> Luciano O'Kara, the the greatest fly half of all time. He's going, he's going to do it. He's going to prove it. And then he realises he's had two moments of being class so far in this game. So he has to prove that he's human. And he chucks the ball straight to the floor. <laughs> I have no idea what happens there. But... Our Lord and Saviour comes along and goes, no problem, lads. Sergio Parisi. Yes. All right. Sergio Parisi just comes up and just kicks the ball to himself really casually. Like it's just rolling across the floor. And Parisi just sticks his toe on it and it just lands perfectly in his hands. And like no attention was paid to that other than by champion himself. I heard heard that. Thank you. I heard that as he sticks his tongue on it. Like he's Bryce Heem. Yes. Just licking everything, (laughs) trying to get COVID. It's his way of trying to unconventionally score a try is just by licking the ball over the tr- like you know it's uh, not a knock on it's not a knock on you can lick the ball forward as exactly, much as you want right legally yeah so I wonder what the actual law is surrounding oh it that. it happened in a game recently it happened it was a game you weren't watching what? I was watching a game this weekend someone licked a rugby ball <laughs> this yes. weekend we're in a pandemic no I no I think it was the Argentina Australia game where someone threw the ball at another player's head and they volleyed it. Oh, they nice. volleyed it over the defence. Then rega- I think it might have been Delgi or someone. Volleyed it over the defence with their heads. Like, headed it over. Right. Regathered it on the floor. David Lemmy once scored a try for playing for Bristol where he did a flying header to assist the drive yes. for somebody. And it was disallowed by a referee. And it's just like, do you hate fun? <laughs> no. Why would you disallow? And it- David Lemmy of all players doing a flying, diving head, like Van Persie style header to assist a drive for somebody going over somebody's head. Like, how much do you have to hate fun to disallow that? <sighs> Honestly, honestly, it was probably George Clancy. Probably. You're right. Yeah, no, I just knocked over the tripod that I used to record the feed. Um, <laughs> so keep that in. That's fine. Yeah, sure. I just accidentally knocked it over. 
Um, it's fine. Nice. It's all going to be good. I'll pick it back up. The microphone's falling on the floor as well. Um, all's fine. All's fine. Uh, <laughs> wardrobe, we don't care. Go on. Yeah, no, another point. So, Petri, after all these scrums, saves the USA, clears mm. the ball. And the USA have a nice... No, the USA? Italy have a nice little counter. And Gonzalo Garcia gets the ball and thinks, you know what? I've got a good idea. Spacing behind the defence. I'm going to stab through a little grubber kick. Sounds feasible, right? Yes. I'm going to stab through a little grubber kick from Mirko Bergamasco to outrun the fastest winger in world yeah, rugby. Th- this is this is this is one of my dick of the day nominations. Garcia looks up, sees the space, sees. I know. Why don't we create a foot race between Mirko Bergamasco and Zian Guenya? <laughs> What a great idea that is. And, and, and there's only one way that's going. And Gwenya yeah. just jogs and regathers and the Gwenya's ball. And Gwenya's walking. And Gwenya's got an ice cream in his hand. Yeah. He gathers it. And, like, kind of and Bergamasco's ball. really busting a gut. And he isn't even on screen. And Gwenya grounds the ball. Yeah, and Gwenya puts the ball down. And he's just kind of like like bewildered. About, like, like, why did they bother trying to... Like, they know like... I'm fast, don't they? Like... Because he's he's used to teams doing analysis on him and just yeah. going, okay, this guy fast. Yeah. Because you don't need to know him for long to figure that bit out, right? <laughs> I'm like, sure okay. there are flaws in Gwenya's game. You know, I'm sure there are. I mean, he's a very good player. I'm sure there's something wrong with his game that an, a team analyst, I'm not one of those, will be able to figure yeah. out by watching him a bit more in detail. But one thing that he's not bad at is speed. Yes, no one's looking at him and going, okay, we might be able to catch their 14 out wide. Especially he's lacking when, a bit of pace. When your winger is Mirko Bergamasco, he's not looking and going, fancy taking him on the outside, boys. Exactly, exactly. It's like seeing the opposition got a Ferrari and going, I know, we'll send a lawnmower against it. And it's not just that, like, if Bergamasco being Bergamasco, fancy taking him on the outside, okay, that's one thing. But Gonzalo Garcia trusted him to do that? Like, his yeah. other player trusted him to do that. He went, you've got this, Mirko. You've got this. I believe in you. It's a very bewildering moment. I think Maro Bergamasco would have stood a greater chance. (laughs) At least he would have put a cheap shot in or something afterwards. Or he'd have tried to trip and Gwenya up. Though Gwenya had a head start as well. Yeah. I don't know in what world he's going. And Bergamasco is going to beat Gwenya for a head start. Here's one of the top three quickest rugby players of all time. Up against basically a reversing dump truck. <laughs> yeah. Um, a reversing dump truck with no tyres on. Yes. With no grace or decorum. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, then we've approached sort of the last 10 minutes of the match by this point. And yeah. I've only got a couple more points to talk Can about. Can I throw up my one other Dick of the Day content that involves Go for it. So it. at one point, Italy put up a high... No, sorry, uh, the USA, from the room 22, uh, I think it's Petrie, hangs the ball quite high as their their kind of clearance. Mm-hmm. And McLean begins to sprint on to cover it. He then slows down and walks towards it mm-hmm. and instead volleys it. Right. And he I volleys it this, straight into Zian Gwenya's arms. <laughs> oh, no, I did see this. Sorry, yeah. makes like a 10, 15, 20 metre run. Yeah. And there is this like, A... What a stupid idea anyway. B, why would you volley it to their best and quickest player? It's like they're setting themselves the challenge of like, okay, Mirko couldn't do this, but I'm quicker than him, surely. Sure. And it's like, uh, we know he's been quiet in this game, but he is still very fast. Yeah. 
it doesn't make why not just avoid Unguenya? Why yeah. not just get nowhere near him? Because he is extremely quick. Yeah. And so it was off this resulting ruck actually of Unguenya taking mm. it in. Wayne Barnes sticks his flag up at something. Mm. Mm. And Wayne, I'm sorry to say that you you are misunderstood, my friend. You have misunderstood friend of the pod, Blaine Scully, here. And he has penalised him for allegedly kneeing Mauro Bergamasco. And Which, A, is an entirely understandable thing to do. Sure. So he calls him over and says, you know, if you should knee, you need to be very careful. And Blaine's saying, look, no, no I, thought, I, I swear I've just tripped over, you know. Yeah. And his knee's gone somewhere near Bergamasco. That's, what, that's all it is. And Bergamasco obviously then starts a fight with Blaine Scully then. Blaine, <laughs> not interested in having a fight um, because very nice guy. <laughs> Todd Clever then, as... The referee turns away after having penalised Blaine. He mm. says, I'm going to go talk to their player as well, just about fighting and whatever. And Todd Clever just very loudly screams, you've got to be kidding me! Because he knows how nice a guy Blaine Scully is, that he'd never do that. Yeah. And then he just goes, George Scanty goes over to Bergamasco and sort of tells him off, like, look, don't fight, whatever. And Bergamasco goes, yeah, 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 sure, that's fine. <laughs> no, he's, he's so gotten away with it. Yeah. Because it's like, but he, he seems really, he's he seems really he's like, Of course yeah. he's the one who's in the wrong. There is that kind of you shouldn't penalise players on reputation and so on and so forth. But you look at that fight, and I guess we didn't know Blaine Scully because he kind of hated a few caps of the USA coming into yeah, this. Yeah, young kid. And there was this thing he said in between these the USA's last game and this game that he really wanted to try and get a contract in Europe. And that yeah. was his big game from the World Cup was to get a contract in Europe out of this. He yeah. kind of put himself in the shop window and so on. And good on him for saying that. And it worked. Sure. Schlesser signed him you yeah. know, a few months later. So it's fantastic, yeah. But very much you're going... If Bergamasco is having a fight, Bergamasco started that fight. Sure, sure. Bergamasco loves a fight. He is the twat out of him and Blaine Scully. Like, the, I think we all know that. The only player, the only other winger that Bergamasco's never tried to fight was Nguenya because he couldn't catch him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Mirko Bergamasco, a very confusing character, as we know. Yes. Um, yeah, that was, that was a moment. Uh, and as I say, Wayne, you've misunderstood our friend Blaine. <laughs> yeah so there's only I mean there's another point where Chris Wiles puts in this kick for Blaine Scully to chase and he very nearly grounds it um, yeah. over the trial line but really McLean gets to it just, like millimetres before him mm. and I mean do you want to rattle off any other dick of the day contenders before we talk about the other thing that well, happened in the match I've got two left one of which I assume is about the other contender yeah, in the match yeah. uh, the other thing in the match and the other dick of the day contender I think I'll save back uh, so I'm just saying, is there anything else? Oh, yeah. So when Sonula goes off, Miles Harrison mentions that he said that he has been suffering from a head cold. Yeah. What's, what's a head cold? What's a head cold? Is his, has he been, like, shoving his head in the freezer overnight? It is makes sense cold? with decision making, doesn't it? He, yeah. He's gone, we need to keep cool heads. <laughs> so he's been working with it. It just nice. means the common cold, apparently. Oh, okay. Just he's got a cold. Which isn't a... That isn't a None of that is good. A, no. don't play if you've got a bad a bad enough cold that it deserves mentioning. Yeah. Um, I played a game once with a really bad cold because it was like my first start when I just started playing yeah. and so on. And I was very ill and it was not easy to make tackles when you're kind of properly yeah. like shaking. I can remember my first game as captain. I just had a cold and I'd like nearly lost my voice. It was my mm. first senior game as captain. And I was just thinking like, oh yeah. God, I've got to salvage this somehow. And I can remember having to do, funnily enough, Man of the Match and Dick of the Day in the bar after the game, and no one could hear me because I'd lost my voice. 
Oh man, which is just oh. a nightmare. Because at that point, like, you not only need to earn the respect of your players, but all of the old men drinking in the bar as well. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. think, oh yeah, we like this third team captain, as I was back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough afternoon out at the office. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, should we move on to man of the match and dick of the day? Should we cover that other event from the game, or are you going to cover that as a? Yeah, I guess thing? that's a natural segue. Yeah, there's just one guy that keeps coming back to haunt me in this World Cup. I know, I know, and I just don't get it because, like, I really, I really like rugby, and I really mm. like tries. Mm. And there's, it's just penalty tries keep coming back, and I just don't like them. He just, he can't help it, can he? This guy, Mister P. Try, he's constantly turning up, uninvited, at this bloody rugby World Cup. <laughs> Look, yeah. and like I, don't, I don't mean to be mean about the guy, but he's just such a massive buzzkill, and he's so obnoxious. Like everyone else wants to score a try, and he always has to rip it off them and do it himself. Yeah, he's just—he's like—he's like the kid in school, right? Who was bullied and was left out and everything, but doesn't help himself and is really nasty and horrible to yeah. everyone. And he kind of like, I want to help you, but I can't. You know? Yeah, exactly. I remember there was, there was <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling this story. There was a kid who went to my school who got bullied, and mm. as a, was it me? An, yes, as an antidote for that, he decided mm. one day to write a Facebook status, which he called <laughs> "List of people who bully me in school," <laughs> and he just put this list of like forty people in there. And obviously, the next, the very next day, I turned up and saw two of the people on that list beating the shit out yeah. of me. They were like the hardest kids in the year. And he tagged them as well. He didn't just write the names. He actually yeah. tagged these people. And it was just kind of like, dude, I like you. I don't want you to get bullied. But uh, like, yeah. you did not help yourself there. It's just a silly thing to do, isn't it? It's yeah. just, I don't know. So basically, like, I'm you... comparing that kid to penalty tries. But no, it's more like there was a there was a kid in my year at school who, again, did not. And like, I was, I was one of my years punching bags, you know, like I was yeah. a, a very bottom rung of the ladder. Like I was bottom three. Yeah. And one of the other, one of the two below me, I was one day trying to be quite nice to in a maths lesson because he was sat on the same table as me. Yeah. And then I asked if I could borrow his ruler for a moment while he wasn't using it. And he said, no, get lost. <laughs> and I thought, okay, never mind. Right, okay. There's a reason you're here, mate. Um, let's, let's leave this one. Yeah. That kid is penalty try. Yeah, for sure. Like, no one likes him and he's nasty. And he's a And vindictive. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we this podcast does not condone bullying. Anyway, just had to get that out of the way for the sake of formalities. Um, yeah. So, so other dicks <laughs> of the day. He does not condone bullying unless endorsed by Razi Erasmus. Of course, of course. Other dicks of the day. Frankly, it's just kind of penalty try, Wayne Barnes and the Sanula mm-hmm. brothers for me. Uh, Wayne Barnes and, for penalising Blaine Scully. Yes. Yeah, and I th- wait. Was it Wayne Barnes who yellow carded Blaine? Oh, it was Nigel who yellow carded Blaine Scully in the previous game. Oh, of course, uh, yeah. Never mind. So my dick of the day is going to go to Andrew Sanula, Andrew uh, Sanula. for his cool. okay. lack of a tackle attempt on Oquera and other things. Okay, so I've left one of my dick of the day contenders out. I've named the other ten yeah. out of the eleven. I have not mentioned one of them. So. This game on YouTube. I want to say as well, right, that Mad for Rugby guy, who's a Glasgow fan, Legend. what a hero. Yeah. yeah this, like, he's uploaded most of the, the random obscure pool game from this World Cup to YouTube. Mad for Rugby he 99. Is, Legend. Yeah, he is... He he's is, a lifesaver for this podcast. Oh, mate, I can't express it. I can't express how much I appreciate that guy, right? Yeah. 
Uh, but because he uploaded all these games in 2012, uh, they're all obviously in. Because it was back, it was so long ago. It was back when YouTube would only allow you to upload 15 minute video maximum. Yeah. Back before they kind of got rid of that limit. You know, back before that was 10 minutes. It was a kind of brief period when it was 15. So yeah. they're all uploaded in. It's part one, two, five, six, seven, eight, whatever. Yeah. Um, That's how you count. And, yep. Yeah, perfect counting. And I, uh, the scores the year backwards, the parts of the year backwards. So I was watching these and normally it comes up and it starts autoplaying the next one, you know. And sometimes you think, oh, it's a great moment in between to start, you know, to get a drink or whatever. As they're kind of refreshing. With five seconds, you've got to wait between each one's auto starting the next one. And so I got to about part five and it's about to move on to part six. It was quite a key moment in the game. Like the, the ball was being spread wide as it happened, as the, the change between parts happens. And instead... It started auto-playing one of my videos. <laughs> so, my dick of the day is Squidge Rugby. Squidge Rugby. What a dick. Well, it's... He's my dick the of the dick day of the every day we're not recording this podcast. Yes. My dick of the day would be Squidge Rugby, but for the fact that Leonardo Gherardini yeah. disallowed a try from his okay. own team. Fair so, enough. under any other circumstances, I would be dick of the day. Yeah, what but... valour for you to not give yourself dick of the day. <laughs> I know, but I really wanted to. I am a desperate coward, as ever. Yeah, I reckon we should ask that guy who sat next to you in a maths lesson who he would give dick of the day. I, he, he will have forgotten me. Uh, most people probably have. But have you forgotten the, the other... Leonardo Giorgini as well? Well, that is the other side. The other reason I want to give it is for the sheer symmetry, because Giardini is also my man of the match. Oh, okay. That's fair enough. I mean, my man of the match is kind of split because, I mean, I've got to mention Paul Emmerich because he was supercharged in this yes. game. Every time he got to the ball, he, like, he was charging people back and like he was putting in huge shots in defence. And like this was one of his, I think this was like his sixth to last game for the USA, but I think he yeah. knew it was his last World Cup game is the point. Sure. And so he really put in a statement for himself and he really fought to make up for Sun Yula's errors uh, a mm. lot of the time. And Honestly, he did such a good job, so he's one of them. But frankly, I've got to give it to Castro. Yeah. Because he just completely destroyed the OSA scrum. Uh, and as you say, he was great in the loose as well, scored his try really well, nearly scored his other one, if not for his hooker. So, yeah, Castro's my man of the match. I can't argue with that. Castro was phenomenal. And it was kind of a two-horse yeah. race, almost. Yeah. And I think Gerardini was really good around the park. Yeah. And I think Castro carries well, and he scrummages really well, but he is not interested in making tackles. Whereas no, Gibradini is always fair. involved in all of it. That's fair. And every time I'd kind of look up and I'd kind of take a focus on the Italian defence, it was Gibradini making a tackle. He makes yeah. two breaks. You know, he keeps popping up and making great carries. Yeah. He was everywhere. Plus, he was part of that front row that absolutely destroyed them. So it didn't sure. feel like I was. It didn't feel like I was just. I was ignoring the fact that so much of that game was decided by the scrum. You know, sure. and Castro was the absolute cornerstone of it and deservedly got man of the match. I can't argue sure. with that at all. No, but yeah, yeah Gibradini for me. Yeah, that's the fair. Mottom. And so we say goodbye to the USA. We're yes. we running the music today. I haven't got I haven't got any music. No, let's not do, music. Um, not do music. No, no, no. We need music. We need music. Okay. Um, name a song that's happy that's in American. that. Um, oh, hold on. Um, okay, so this is the USA's leaving party now. So yes. Welcome all. I've. I've, Welcome, I really y'all. enjoyed the <laughs> game Mario there. I really enjoyed the USA in this World Cup, I've got to say. I did. I think 
them and will come on to obviously the Canadian counterparts, but they both kind of shocked me in this World Cup. Um, and watching mm. them back, I think there's there's been a lot to say for them. And I think that players of the tournament, I mean, Mike McDonald's been fantastic. Todd Clever, Chris Wiles, Paul Emmerich yeah. have been great. But um, I've got to say, partly as the sentimental reason, Blaine Scully is my player of the tournament. And like, I, I honestly, it's one thing that I... When I think back on the things we've done on this podcast, having Blaine Scully on is is something that I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to talk to him, as he's one of my favourite players ever. That's I probably say that about a lot of players, but it's certainly in terms of the players playing in this tournament, you know, he's very much top of the list or thereabouts for players that, you know, if we could have spoken to anybody from this tournament, having him on, mm. it's just something I'm very grateful for. So, um, yeah, I know, Blaine, it's unlikely you've listened this far into the podcast, uh, if at all. <laughs> but if you are, then uh, my sincere gratitude to you for coming on. No, I I will echo pro-Blaine Scully sentiments yep. as the official podcast spirit animal, yes. Blaine Scully. Um and he is fantastic as a young player who kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I didn't know much. I'd seen him play in the. the I'd watched those um, Churchill Cup games he played yeah. in, but I, I didn't. I wasn't paying much attention. No, you know, yeah. they were kind of on like Just Wednesday nights at that when I was. Point, isn't he? Until you yeah, how good he is. I remember oh, how actually doing homework whilst watching one of those games. Um, right. But it was during this World Cup where you went. Actually, he's a really good young player for sure. Yeah, and clearly, Leicester thought the same thing. And especially when he comes out and he's so ambitious and saying, "I want to play overseas. I want a contract out of this." Yeah. Um, yeah, all for it. I obviously love Blaine Scully. I think he's fantastic. I thought Todd Clever, we didn't mention, had a really good game in this, this Yeah, he match, did. He did, um, yeah. Against Italy. Because yeah. he was sort of quiet in the other... He was very good, but he wasn't quite his kind of bombastic self that you come to expect. It's like, he is yeah. the face of American rugby. And he kind of proved that. It's like, no, actually, I'm doing everything. I'm bashing everyone sure. over. And I'm making these tackles. And I'm smashing their scrum off, who Paris seems to think is massive. Um, so, very good. Um, uh, and I mean... Take the tournaments, Andrews and Euler, they're done, dusted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, and I mean, like, there's there's plenty of, you know, Wiles kind of stands up for who yeah. he is, you know, as like the most established player playing every week in the Premier League sure. Saracens at this point. And Gwen, he doesn't get the space he did four years ago or he had been doing for Beeritz, yeah. which is a shame. Uh, Paul Emmerich, I think, is fantastic throughout. And whenever he gets the ball, is basically just causes such chaos. Yeah. Like, he's fantastic. I've said fantastic a lot, but there we go. Uh, Mike McDonald is great at everything that isn't scrummaging. Um, yeah. But I think my USA player of the tournament is Mike Petrie. Oh, that's a great shout. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, really good little player. So I've kind of raved about him every time, every episode except this one. Yeah. About how great he was in this World Cup. And because yeah. I kind of remembered him as being like a solid, okay scrum half. Yeah. And actually, he was so good and he gave so much shape and so much organisation to that USA team. Yeah. Everything you'd want for a scrum half, he was there. You know, he was just like the image model of a scrum half. Yeah. Um, took his try against Russia really well. And then from there on out, was just so solid and reliable. No, that's a great shout. Yeah. Very, very good. So he's my yeah. USA player of the Rugby World Cup. Right. Yeah, we don't need to talk about a dick of the tournament. Um, especially Blaine Scully is listening. Yeah, anything else from you? I don't know. Oh, there is one other thing. One other thing yeah. happens in this match, right? At one point, I think it's actually whilst the conversation about penalising Blaine Scully is happening, right? Right. Wayne Barnes is having a chat with George Bloody Clancy, to give him his formula name. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Hanson, it's Bloody. Yeah. And in the background, you can see the girl holding the boom mic 
who looks a lot like someone I was at uni with. And so I kind of clocked in, like, oh, she looks like a girl I was at uni with. And then she slightly sort of awkwardly looks at the big screen, sees herself, and then tries to duck out of frame. Instead, moves herself more centrally, so she's now more clearly in the shot. And she then continues holding the boom mic on the sideline, you know, for the crowd and the pitch sound effects or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she kind of looks back over the big screen and sees, oh, shit, I went in the wrong direction. And runs back up to the side. Christ. Mm. Just, yeah. just, just amuse me. Just yeah, amuse no, no, me. sure. No, thank you. I mean, that's a 12th Dick of the Day contender, if ever I heard one. <laughs> yeah. She's okay. in 12th place. Yeah. Um. So, is that us? Are we good? I think so, yeah. So... In the week since the last podcast, unfortunately, Zebra haven't signed Chad Plato, but also they have. They have. They have signed I mean, Chad Plato has Look signed on Wikipedia. Zebra, but Can. he's not on their squad. <laughs> yes. So someone has updated the Wikipedia page to no say idea who did that. Chad Plato yeah. signed for Zebra, uh, which is exciting and funny. Any other business to close out? I don't think so. I'm not asking you, I'm asking the lawyers. Oh, oh sorry, lads. Yeah, Cardi isn't here this week, which is a shame. Uh, Carly. Um, no, Matt Cardi. Matt Cardi's not uh, here. Cardi B's um, not here. Oh, man. What if they What if they did a crossover? What, what we Matt, had Matt Cardi, Cardi got B? with Cardi B? Matt Cardi B, yeah. Yeah. Because we get them together. I what do you should. think that crossover would sound like? Um, when asked Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no follow-up to that. Whistle, whistle ass, no. Um, no. No. <laughs> I'm done. What would Dan Bigger say to Matt Cardi B? You're thinking of Matt Cardi. This is why. Not Matt Cardi. I'm thinking of Welsh one cap wonder fullback Matt Cardi. Didn't Matt. No, yeah, I'm thinking of Matt Cardi. Matt Cardi is who I was thinking of, yeah. Didn't Matt Cardi win the X Factor years ago? Matt Cardall. Matt Cardall, right. Who's Matt Cardi then? Matt Cardi. He said one cap wonder. One cap wonder played fullback for the Dragons? Matt Cardi is such an obscure. Welsh player, the stock images and oh, there's a photographer, right? Okay, comes up before him. He doesn't come up on the first five pages of his Wikipedia, or first three pages of his whatever. C a r d e y. Yeah, I found him. He was a Granny Gate player. Yeah, won one cap for Wales in two thousand. Played for Newport, Connefly, and Lead Tykes. Leeds Tykes. Yeah, fair play. Uh, and is now married to Cardi B. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that's Canada. Well, wow, okay. <laughs> Do you want to know the first thing that comes up after his Wikipedia pages? <laughs> a Scarlet Beaver post on the worst Welsh 15 ever. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. Do you want to drop a couple yeah. of names? Uh, no, that one is that was completely no. unfair. No, it was in just, I was reading through the, no. the campaign. Um, other names coming up. Regul- Derwin Jones is coming up a lot. Right. Uh, Andy Allen. Paul John. Kerry Jones. Lyndon Musto, I've never heard of. There's some no. um, Richard Diplock, man. Who's that? Who's Richard Diplock? He was in Rugby 04. Huh. I don't remember him at all. Um, but there's a lot of chat of Matt Carty. I think we're done here. <laughs> I solidly think we are. Please, if you haven't been too put off, join us next time <laughs> when the game is Georgia against Romania. Mm, God. Which I remember being phenomenally boring. Yeah, me too. So I've no idea what we're going to talk about next episode. But hey, maybe um, give us something to talk about by leaving us some Deacon Marnie fan fiction, maybe? Please. Please, we'll find something. We're well through the pool stages. We're getting towards the end of it now. We have eight more pool games to talk about. Okay. That's, that's it. terrifying that we're yeah. that close. But also very exciting. We're getting towards the business end. 
as Steve Walsh would call it. So yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, if you have at all anybody listened, that wasn't a sentence, but yeah. No, thank you very much, and we will see you next time for some desperate chat that may involve Georgia against Romania. Bye bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.